ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking fear no evil on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from Upper State, New York. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all the goriest of details of 1981's Fear No Evil in the hopes that a doomed high school student's uh, death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if we make a sacred promise to become reincarnated over and over again to kill Lucifer, she will actually tell me when she's quote-unquote in body. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm good. I've got my 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 cloak. I've got my uh, my sacred dagger. Oh, nice. You know, I was thinking that in, in, in over the three years we've been doing Kill by Kill, this is the very first movie that we have done has covered the Antichrist. Yes. And this is virgin territory. Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can say, we, you know, you can make a reasonable argument that we did The Visitor. But remember, that was Satine. Yeah. Completely different. This is Satan. <laughs> Uh, Satine uh, not is is rights reserved, whereas Lucifer is definitely trademarked. <laughs> TM <laughs> TM <laughs> from God Incorporated. Uh, yeah, it, this is uh, interesting. I, I thought it an interesting companion to the Nightmare in Elm Street series, considering one, it's very high school set, and so is this, and two is that um, you know it it. Listen, we're talking about the reason for the season, Lucifer, and him coming back and setting everything right and bleeding foreheads. That's what December is all about. Can I can I let you and the listeners in a little bit of trivia about about this movie? Absolutely. Um, you know how everybody has that that one when they were kids that one uh, video box cover art that kind of freaked them out and they and mm. they they knew they would never ever rent that movie because it was yeah. obviously too terrifying this was the one for <laughs> sure. me i have oh, a very distinct so- memory of of uh of seeing the cover which is sort of a a burning yearbook <laughs> and, yeah. and he's got his little he's got his little satan eyes and for some reason i was like oh man that's some heavy shit there <laughs> Whatever is happening there cannot be good and is probably set in upper state New York. Um, But it has a Bishop soundtrack, so. Oh, um, here's the good news. This movie is bonkers. It is kind of fucking nuts. That's great. I think it is entertaining. It's a stately entertaining, but it is entertaining nonetheless. And the soundtrack is fucking rocket, man. Uh, whoever pulled this duty really knocked it out of the park. There are some killer fucking tunes. I mean, between this and uh, Skate Town USA, we've had some great soundtracks as of late. <laughs> and yet somehow this is the better movie than Skate Town USA. <laughs> uh, questionable on that one. But uh, before we go much further, uh, I don't want to alarm you, Gina. 
we are not alone. That's right, we have a special guest. He is a returning champion to Kill by Kill, a writer, columnist, and one half of the Horror Queers podcast, the one and the only Joe Lipset. How are you doing, Joe? I am well. Thank you for inviting me back. I prep by wearing my little short shorts, and then I also have my sleeveless cape, Gina. Oh. Good. Good. Dude, I, I like a prepared guest. Yes. You know, <laughs> sometimes you don't want a full formal cape. You want something that can move with you, especially if you're being active and outdoors, let's say at an abandoned castle. Exactly. Yeah, you got to have some mobility. <laughs> with your little with your little punk rock hairdo. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of dippity do in that hair, wasn't there? <laughs> I think there's a lot of dippity. Um, the do <laughs> is questionable, but we will get to that. So let's, uh, Gina, you brought up the cover art here, and I think it should be noted that it's making a lot of promises. <laughs> 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 The movie may not be able to deliver on. And we've seen this before. It's not the first time we've uh, gone to this particular rodeo. The Friday the 13th franchise, particularly the opening credits, were big into this, where everything would explode. And you're like, but Friday the 13th isn't about explosions, everyone. And like, too late. That mask exploded. Uh, so the yearbook exploding, not so much happening in this, although they did put it in the trailer. So it's the fear. No evil is kind of a mix of a lot of different things. And, uh, it approaches it in a pretty interesting way. You've got a little bit of Carrie, uh, the omen. You got a little, you got a little bit of rock and roll high school. If everyone was terrible and the devil was in it. True. There's there's a girl gang in it, which 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 was I I did not expect them to show up. (laughs) This movie it it gives you a skosh of girl gang, and what I would like is a full dollop. (laughs) And the fact that they have color coordinated satin jackets, where one person is the designated purple, and she's the queen. Queen Queen bee. bee They're called the bees, and she's the queen. She looks like Carla Tortelli. (laughs) Her hair has dimension and shape, and uh, it stays in one place. No matter whether or not she's wearing a beret or not wearing a beret, everything just kind of sits on top of that uh, mobile mountain of Nerf hair. (laughs) The the, the, the movie opens with a, a... Title says it's upstate New York, but I think when they say upstate New York, they mean the Bronx going by a lot of the accents in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It feels very Long Island in parts. Um, It's definitely the staff. Whatever it is, the conditions in this area are dire. (laughs) It's always gray. Everything is constantly gray all the time. This is like the most washed out movie I've ever seen. Well, we're on Uh, the eve of the apocalypse, people. It's the second coming. (laughs) But, you you know, like, weather changes. Like, I've lived on the East Coast occasionally. Like, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. It's not always overcast. It's not always on the eve of apocalypse. Sometimes it just washes over. Uh, Joe, don't know what to tell you, Patrick. (laughs) I want you to tell me this one thing. Okay. Had you ever heard of this fucking movie? Before okay, I forced so, you to watch it. So I had. It turns out I didn't recognize the title when the two of you approached me and said, hey, we've got something terrible. Can you come on? 
I actually went back over the list that Trace and I maintain for horror queers, and this is on the list because, of course, it does have just a dash of queer content in here, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I think our note said thing. something like, gay shower kiss, Antichrist wears cape. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like uh, like Gina, I'd seen the box art, but I've never actually seen the movie. And then uh, uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory decided to put out a very deluxe Blu-ray of it. And so uh, because I'm a masochist and it, it looks super weird, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is my opportunity to see this movie. And as we were watching it, I kept texting Gina Please leave work and start watching this movie. <laughs> I need someone else to commiserate with. I need I need to make sure I'm not going insane that this is really happening. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as it is December and it's the time of year where people go, mm, I, I want something a bit more religious and something about home life. Uh, well, we're ticking all the boxes here with Fear No Evil. It's part domestic drama. It's part uh body hopping <laughs> sci-fi mm-hmm. uh it's got xanadu lights it's everything yeah grease rejects <laughs> grease two rejects on top of it very true <laughs> uh so let's get into it uh and this movie starts in one of my favorite ways i just love when backstory is delivered via oil painting it's just much classier that way oh yeah i mean all the illustrations look like something you could put on the side of a van which i like like that's my kind of cinema well yeah if you can't get it in a stained glass window you might as well have it on the side of a van (laughs) that's right only the holiest of holies (laughs) Uh, so this movie uh, gives us a bit of a backstory about uh i don't know Made of bullshit in a book. Uh, basically, <laughs> Lucifer is cast down from heaven and God, you know, being the pretty righteous dude that he is, sends three archangels after him named Michael, Gabriel, Mikael, for some Mikhail, reason. Put Mikael. Put a little Ra- Russian flair on it. Raphael. Which one is good with machines? Uh, which one carries <laughs> the nunchucks? <laughs> But they all like pizza, correct? <laughs> they all like pizza and they the, all live in the sewer. They are all cool that. dudes. <laughs> with with uh, with attitude. One of them has attitude. I can't remember at all. I it's it's slightly outside of my generational scope. Uh, I think that's like Gabrielle to me. Um <laughs> anyhow, uh these teenage mutant ninja angels are tasked with taking Lucifer down before he can bring about the end times, and uh, then we'll they're all kind of locked in this reincarnation cycle where if, if Lucifer dies, he gets reincarnated. And if they die, they get reincarnated. And so they're not always around all at the same time. I don't know. Someone needs to make a flow chart is what it comes down to. Like God didn't have Excel. Let's work on this. <laughs> he couldn't do the mail merge. <laughs> That's right. Someone get in the slack and organize this shit is what it comes down to. So uh, I guess the the goal here is to shine Lucifer with a very tall crucifix for long enough that he zaps into Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Yep. Now, the, the thing that's puzzling me is that this is supposed to be presumably the 1950s, 1960s. 
and and dude's wearing leather pants. <laughs> and like I said, he's got his little uh, his little Peter Murphy haircut going on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And and which is interesting because when we get to uh, Andrew, our uh, I, I guess he could be the protagonist. And he's both the protagonist and the antagonist. He's a antagonist. The, the whole time I'm 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 watching, I'm thinking all this kid needs is is some leather pants and a little eyeliner, and you know he's gonna do all right. <laughs> he just needs he just needs a little little touch of goth makeover, and you know he'll be gonna date to the prom. Lucifer yeah, could have started I, I, a band. Uh, yeah, this uh, first version of Lucifer is kind of like the Mr. Hyde of Werewolves of London. He's got a lot of looks going on. He's got bad teeth, and he's got demon eyes, and yeah, he's got Peter Murphy's haircut. And, and a lot just, of howling. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, it's like the, guy, the lead singer of the Flock of Seagulls if everything was receding. Ooh. <laughs> That's below the belt, Patrick. Everything is Block of Seagulls only had the hair. You can't talk about a receding hairline. (laughs) And yet I have. Uh, Let's talk about other odd placement. And that is this movie opens with a 70-year-old man pulling a rowboat towards the ruin of uh, New York State in what looks like the middle of the day, which quickly becomes night. And... Um, I'm like I'm surprised there aren't like jet boats behind him. <laughs> it seems like there'd be a lot more busyness around this lake than what we see. And this uh, ruin produces a couple things: very localized fog, so much fog. <laughs> I, I thought for a moment that a crew member had accidentally left it on high, and then they were like, "Well, we got to shoot. We've got a day permit. We need to get out of here in two hours." No, it, it's a very uh, vaping video version of fog. It's very intense in a very small area. Uh, the second thing it's great at is uh, it's great for displaying crucified bodies. Mm-hmm. You got human bodies. You got uh, dead animal bodies. And guess what, kids? Those are real dead animals. Oh, no. Yay. Wonderful. Yay. And of course, the last thing that it's great at delivering is out of shape antichrists who don't wear shirts. <laughs> yeah, he is a little, he is a little, a little mushy, isn't, isn't he, for being yeah, antichrist? I mean, he's he's, got, those, an he's got those like skinny man little boobies. You ever notice that? Like some really skinny men, they just, you know, they just, everything's just kind of hanging off of them. They need to put on a little bit of weight. Yeah. Well, it's, he's hang, he's got an, He's aged out of when he could just run around shirtless is what it comes down to. <laughs> and he's not, he, but he hasn't kicked up the cardiovascular because he's brought all these other workers onto this island to make, to build up his castle. And he's kind of gone to seed is what I get. Well, this actor is actually the guy who did the makeup, if I'm not mistaken. So I wonder if he was a last minute replacement, like, oh, you know, John dropped out and we need somebody to play the role of Lucifer for a hot second. So we're going to get this guy in. Uh, yeah, we know you haven't hit the gym in a little while, but it'll be fine. It's like two minutes of screen time. There's a lot of fog. People will never see it. <laughs> it'll be fine. You're running. When do people ever notice loose fat, loose flesh when people are running? Yeah. Um, and, and if all else fails, just howl. People will be distracted by the howling. His... 
he constantly becomes a bobcat throughout this for no discernible <laughs> reason. He just turns around, bobcats at a guy and keeps running the other way. And, you know, this is the kind of chasing you've always wanted to see. Elderly man with a nose that tells you he's been hitting the scotch tonight. Uh, an out of shape <laughs> makeup guy. And it's just cat and mouse between the two. And there's so much panting and, and just like, like. You can tell they're breathing hard because you can see everyone's breathing. <laughs> oh, and also, if you have the, the closed captioning, it says heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> you would be mis- you would be forgiven for thinking that you are actually watching some kind of alternative pornography or fear no evil. <laughs> Who can really say what it is at this point? Um, and so if you wanted to see, uh, let, let's say I'm, I'm waffling on whether or not I want to spend time watching Fear No Evil. Well, do you want to see an elderly pre- priest club a Night of the Demons lady multiple times? Well, then but, this movie is for you. But not even because you can see him clearly hitting the ground next to her head. He's about 10 centimeters away. His aim is not perfect. I will give you that. He does not know his angles. No one in this movie seems to understand their angles or contain angles. <laughs> uh, so finally, the, this long, drawn-out chase it comes to a close when uh, Lucifer is uh, cornered against a tree. <laughs> and he, he just like, kind of... He, he like turns... He turns around and like hides his face like he's trying to play hide and seek. Yeah, what is his <laughs> you end can't game see me. here? You have object impertinence. Like, like you, you won't be able like a like a toddler. You don't know if I stop moving or a T Rex. You won't <laughs> see me here. But what is his end game? Because obviously he could outrun this priest. Because this father but Thomas it's an guy and he doesn't have a rowboat. Is that, is that what's holding him back? I or he's like, ah, I got a, I got the perfect plan. Now that this is all set up. I'll reincarnate into something else. Is that the, is that his end game? I guess someone younger and hotter. (laughs) That's right. Younger, hotter, very afraid of intimate contact. This is my next body. Kill me priest. And so before he goes though, he decides to tempt this guy by becoming a, a cold lady, a lady who needs heat is uh, his play. And, and then the priest is like, oh, you had to go there. He's like, I, oh. I just like, I just like how in every movie about, you know, uh, demonic possession, that's like a page right on the devil's playbook is, is, you know, try to imply that the priest is actually like a pervert. Well, or just horny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he might be horny. Like we should find out whether or not he's horny, but Based on this evidence, I'm not seeing a lot of horniness in him. He's the one person in this movie who is not written as horny. (laughs) Everyone else is written as horny and is having trouble conveying that sometimes. But I think that just adds to the charm personally. Um, So in, in this ploy to like, hey, don't kill me. I guess he doesn't want to get shined on by the crucifix. So he uh, telekinetically draws the long, thin crucifix into impaling him. And we find out later in the movie that this priest has been convicted in the court of law Mm -hmm. of 
killing this guy for stabbing him with this long pole. And then sent to some kind of medieval Russian prison. Yes, he's in a <laughs> castle of Dracul, I believe, is <laughs> where he is staying, or uh, one of the condos just off to the side of Castle Frankenstein. I'm not really sure, but it's, it is dire. Uh, it is more dire than the rest of the direness of this movie. Yeah, the the parts with the angels, they they feel slight. They feel managed to feel both underwritten and overwritten at the same time. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> like they don't they they don't really always mesh together with with the 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 other half of the story, and a lot of it doesn't really make sense. Um, I mean, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, the character Julie yeah. is she is she is one of the angels, and she either does or doesn't realize she's one of the angels. The, the, the movie kind of plays around with that. And if she does, uh, if she does know that she is an angel, why is she not able to recognize Lucifer immediately? Yeah. She's real late to the game. Uh, I, I have to think that the idea here is that she does not realize that she is one of these angels. And therefore when she's visited in the night, by a very nervous by, young man. By a pasty visage. <laughs> <laughs> Walking Jeez. away, his little skinny butt is the only thing that's glowing in the room. Uh, oh, there's what, nothing that a, gets me hotter than a couple of virgins <laughs> trying to go through the motions. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I we've jumped I too far. Jump ahead too much. <laughs> there's so much to unpack in that scene. It has to be its own its its own entry. Okay. So let's we get through the credits, blah blah blah. We find that we're in quote unquote upstate New York, which I don't I, I don't believe is an actual city. That's more of a region. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why this is not and given the city. None of these people are from there. Oh no. No, no, no. 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 They have been imported. Uh, like the finest New York City cheesecakes uh, into this movie. <laughs> and uh, my favorite uh, characters are introduced in this scene. Oh Andrew's parents, Greg and Marion. I, I love them so much. They, they're just, you know, they started hysterical and only get up from there. <laughs> they, um, the, the problem well, well, this movie well, for, is, is it, well, for starters, they're, they're like 60 and the parents of a newborn child. Uh, yes. It took me so long to figure out if they were just grandparents who had been saddled with some kind of runaway daughter's child or not. I couldn't figure it out until I think Andrew turns 18 and then they were still in the picture. And it was only then that I realized, oh, that's meant to be their baby. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, they they don't age until very late in the movie <laughs> because they start out looking exactly the same way that they will supposedly 18 years later. So the movie starts in 1963 at the birth slash um, uh, they're going to have the baby confirmed. Is that what baptized? I'm not yeah. baptized. OK, uh, so we get to see that they're having a grand party at their house, which is right off the lake. So Marion is like losing her mind. He will stop crying. I don't know what's wrong with the baby. She, she, she like she stays in this mode till till Andrew is 17, just you know, weepy and angry and fretful. Well, you know, it's very time-consuming raising Lucifer from a baby. 
He's uh, fiery and he's not pleased. And when you and, and, and when you put and when you put holy water on him, he becomes covered in barbecue sauce. <laughs> the yeah, uh, when they go to church for this baptism, you know, church where the elite meet to bleed from their head to their feet. Uh, <laughs> You're so they, proud of that one, aren't you? <laughs> He's been workshopping that one for a couple of days. No, no, yeah. No, no, that's a real deep reference. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when they start this baptism and they drip some holy water on this kid's head, uh, yeah, barbecue sauce or Szechuan sauce. um, Something not quite It just sprays in everybody's faces. Oh, my God. Kind of gloops on people. Like when that, that altar boy got it in the eye, I'm sorry, again, I was like, wait, are we watching pornography? Because that was some yeah. bloody ejaculate, not going to lie. It's, it's viscous. Like, at, at some point, it's far too watery. And in others, it's like, well, you need to water that down. And they can't decide which it is. No. But my absolute favorite part of the scene is that after everyone gets either splashed with water or they're spontaneously bleeding from their forehead, uh, the mom runs down the center aisle of the church. And dad's like, Marion, Marion. <laughs> But it takes, him, there, it takes him a, a good 15 seconds to react. He just stands there and then she's like practically out the door. And then he starts after her. Like, what do you think has been happening? Yeah. He's There's acting a, like she rushed out of uh, the Olive Garden during all you can eat pasta week. Not like we're covered in blood that happened after my child was baptized. And he's kind of like, don't embarrass me. The embarrassment has happened. Everyone is bleeding, dude. There, there are some remarkable line readings between the the, the dad and the gym teacher later in the oh, movie. Yeah. I, I thought for a split second they were almost played by the same actor. Yes, they it, look very similar. They looked alike. Yeah. They both had this you know, strangulated line delivery, like someone was holding them by the throat while they were talking, and, and it just <laughs> it's remarkable. No one has any idea how they come off on screen, and they don't want to learn. Yeah, And no one's telling them either. It just... They filmed a bunch of things happening, and that's what I find fascinating about it is it's pure amateur hour with the grandest of aspirations. Oh, yeah. I think that this movie thinks that it is making some kind of large-scale religious thriller. Yes. And it's actually like we might as well have had a couple of mops, you know, interacting (laughs) on, yeah, it's... uh, It's garage sale omen. That's what it comes down to. It's it's not even uh it's not even trying to rip off the omen. It's more like, you know, any like an omen movie, anyone can make one of those, which is not true. No. It well it's, it's like you it's know barely well, true for slasher movies, but it, it certainly isn't true for omen movies. Yeah, you got like uh, I think Damien you know, Omen 2 would come out at this point when Damien was a teenager. I feel like somebody mm. watched that and say, okay, well, he's about 14 here. What if we made him 17? And sexy. <laughs> well, did they? <laughs> no, they did not. But they tried so hard. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, he's definitely trying to go for some sort of very goth look, which is, which is, mm. which is a little bit ahead of its time for 1981. 
like I said, if he, you know, all he needed to do was get that kind of hair flap in his, in his face and, you know, the <laughs> eyeliner and, and the, the all black clothing. And, you know, he, you know, would have been going on tour Bauhaus. If this movie had a leaned into its soundtrack and gone punk, can you imagine yes. how much better it would have been? Amazing. Yes. Yes, I, I feel it's like it's 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 very close to actually managing to pull this off if they had just cast it a little bit better. You I mean, mean not going know. with eighty-year-olds, but also seventeen-year-olds as your primary <laughs> cast members? Well, well, that's the thing. Yeah, the 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 all the actors playing adult characters look seventy, and all the actors playing teenagers look thirty-five, <laughs> and, and it, it's very disorienting. <laughs> yeah, no, no one is what they say. <laughs> this uh, movie is so, a long con. <laughs> it really is. And but I'm not entirely sure what the con is. No. Um it, after the baptism, we get a montage. <laughs> well, this, that, the house slowly falling apart because apparently the devil doesn't let you fix your shingles either. Yeah, like somehow the devil somehow makes you not be able to do basic home repair. Is that what the premise of this movie is? Yeah, he's soaking up so much of their time and energy that they couldn't even think about changing a light bulb or maybe (laughs) putting a new roof on. I guess doing parlor tricks because once we get into this very dilapidated house, uh, we, we uh, we learn a couple different things. One... Andrew, the Antichrist, is uh, turning 18 and is able to move about as a shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a neato. Um, two, the dad is wearing the pants of someone who rings the Salvation Army bell outside of a supermarket. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it turns out he's a mailman, but it literally took me watching this movie twice to figure that out because I thought the mailman was the same guy who was the coach because they both look alike. Maybe they're Yeah, they, they do. It's 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 jarring how much they look alike. Very um, distracting. Three, I'm not sure why the birthday cake needs to be picked up to for it to be relit by uh, by matches when there's a perfectly good box of matches next to the cake. Why do they have to take it near the kitchen? Oh my god, and and he, he the, the Greg drops the cake and Marion just like flips her fucking lid. Oh my god, the cake! <laughs> I loved it. I loved it when she slapped him the first time, and then he said, "Don't do it again." And then she slapped him again, and I loved it. <laughs> and I, I and I like how she's laying on the floor and just kind of pondering whether or not she should th- pull the iron down her head. And then she's like, yeah, "All right, plank." <laughs> You know what? I'm not going to get out of this marriage any other way. So I guess the iron it is. Just please iron, take me away. Be the Calgon bubbles of my life and get me out of this marriage and out of raising this child. And yet does it? It turns out, no, this does not kill her. She reappears, strangely enough, later in the movie. She's paralyzed? Is she paralyzed? Or uh, comatose in a way. She's coming yep. down with Lady Havisham disease by the looks <laughs> of it. She's just pale and covered in cobwebs. <laughs> there are cobwebs on her. I love that he's trying to help her smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't supposed to laugh at that scene. I don't think. 
if the iron isn't going to kill her, maybe lung cancer down the road. And how does she not have like a little like iron shaped mark on her forehead? Because that's just like something the scene really lacked. Yeah. Are you telling me that's the one thing that that's your one continuity error? (laughs) Gina, we have bigger fish to fry here. Oh, man, if this movie only had bigger fish to fry. Anyways, <laughs> uh, cue the Boomtown Rats. I hate Mondays because it's time to go to the most dilapidated and brown looking school I've ever seen. It looks like a prison that's just putting on some school. <laughs> so, yes, it's a high school. <laughs> Yeah, well, every high, every school in California looks like it was built in 1956 because they all were. So I am very unused to uh, high schools or school buildings that have any more age on them than that. Mm. <laughs> um, another thing about this school, uh, you can be one of two people. You can either be dressed like an extra and disco godfather. <laughs> or someone whose mob money paid for to make Disco Godfather. That's, there are two modes. Yeah, you got you got your Vinny, you got your Vinny's Barbarinos. There's 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 quite a few of them. Yes. Yeah, he's the night stalker of Vinny Barbarinos. Oh uh, yeah. that Tony is. Yeah. He's got baby teeth, but he has great hair. There's something so odd about the faces of a lot of people in the teenage cast. His is yeah. one of them. Why is that face so big and round and those teeth so sonic small? <laughs> really, it's worth $35 million if they just went back and made his teeth normal. The crowd demands it. Yes. It, it, Twitter will quiet down and we'll be happy with the end result. Yeah. Where uh, the was the two, outrage in 1981? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where was this movie in 1981? Was it seen in theaters? We might never know. Uh, other teenagers that we meet through here are uh, Tony's paramour on again, off again, uh, love the queen bee of the bee girls. Uh, Marie, she's played by Roseanne. Rosanna, don't fuck with her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then we meet Julie and she's um vacant. <laughs> yeah, she uh yeah. <laughs> Our heroine, ladies and gentlemen. She is a, a body human. that is on screen. <laughs> <laughs> like light doesn't pass through her, so I know she's real. She's not a special <laughs> effect. But also she doesn't the movie does not worry about giving her lines. Like if people were giving her the the kind of once upon a time in Hollywood treatment or the Irishman where they were counting the amount of times that she spoke, mm-hmm. they would be up in arms. But also when she does speak, you kind of wonder if she is anyways. Yeah, it's better if she doesn't. I'd say that she's a she's a pretty face. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be positive i've 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 called out a, a man's baby you know, this is this is not a you did to be fair this is not a cast of lookers <laughs> i i disagree i think her boyfriend is reasonably attractive before okay. he dies in a terrible dodgeball accident <laughs> <laughs> don't give away the farm sorry uh, yeah well, first, we're talking about mark who is julie's boyfriend and appears to be as dumb as a broken flip-flop <laughs> But he also 
says that he gets into what is it, Stanford? He gets into Columbia. Oh, okay. Um, oh. And I'm mm. not entirely sure he means the university or the record club. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he meant the country. <laughs> I, that's true. He might have gotten his passport, and that would be great because he needs to go out into the world and learn something. <laughs> he is uh, beautiful but dumb. Yes. He's definitely the looker of the crew. Yeah. Let's, let's put it that way. He looks like he's imported from a Friday the 13th, whereas everyone else from this cast was maybe imported from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> they Yeah, if he's a Friday the 13th, we're really dipping into Madman Mars territory with everyone else yeah these are not these are not lookers these are not professional actors the 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 actor that plays andrew was a a child actor um most i think he was known for the show land of the giants yes Yes. but he's actually Uh, shown up in a bunch of things he was yeah he was most recently on an episode of fargo which i was surprised by i don't remember him at all in it nope uh but probably the most interesting bit of trivia about him is that he is the brother of allison arngrim who plays nelly olsen oh yeah but there's some dark stuff yeah i wasn't sure if i should bring that up or not but yeah oh it okay not for joking that stuff no oh okay i'm unaware of this so shall we sweep it under the rug or do we well, we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the character. It, it, this is more the actor, the yeah, real, okay. a, a real life thing. Well, we'll focus oh. on the character. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that then. Uh, uh, what so, can we say uh, about Andrew? He's pasty. Um, yeah. Light almost passes through him. Yeah. He is glowing <laughs> and, and, and not, in, not in like, and, and, and not in the, uh, you know, the, the, the healthy, youthful sort of glowing. <laughs> like the cast with the friendly ghost glow. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a wormy quality to him. Uh, and the the problem here is if you're going to have teenage Satan, right, he should probably be alluring in some way. So, some than, level of charismatic. Yes. Because even Carrie, you're like, you're drawn to her even though you understand that she is awkward and that obviously everyone else, you know, castigates her as an outsider and you can see why she's put in that box. That's one thing, but also you, you cast Carrie as a person that you might like in other circumstances here. Andrew is someone who looks like you wouldn't like them in high school. Just from the way they look, he's he's an he's an awkward in a, in a Carrie is Carrie's awkward in a in a you know kind of you know lonely and bullied sort of way. Andrew is mm. awkward in a tearing the wings off a fly sort of way. Yeah, he's he, giving off a little bit of teenage sociopath, but he's also just he's such a wallflower that he's not even a character that you can root for because you don't know anything about him. Yeah, you mentioned that Julie doesn't get a lot of dialogue. Andrew doesn't either in the in the in, at least in the first half of the movie. He does yeah. not talk very much. No, uh for uh, during uh, the sort of no exit set piece of this movie set in the high school's parking lot uh <laughs> where toadies blame their ability to open doors on girlfriends who get smacked around Oof. and it's all set to the sex pistols. Uh, Andrew watches all of this from an outdoor staircase that kind of looks like a bird cage. Yes. I actually quite <laughs> like that visual image. 
This this was when the film was really actually working for me, like not even joking around. I was like, okay, they're doing some interesting things, building up these characters. I'm really interested to see where it's going to go. And then they kept bringing in the religious shit. Yes. That is where it's at its most confused. Because I think if it stuck to the bonkers high school element of it, uh, it would probably be more known. Like it would it would achieve the elements of a Hello, uh, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Mm. Uh, based on how wacky it is, um, it doesn't have the technical skill to pull off Mary Lou, yeah. but it does have the desire to put on that kind of set piece. It just, it just it, it's incapable because it's slightly incompetent. Yes. But the incompetence is its charm, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> it's never not interesting. We'll yeah, I, I will I will absolutely agree with you there. It it is it is fascinating, but it's a fascinating mess. I mean, we're talking about a movie that actually has a character that I don't think they ever give a name to pulling a like what is it? Um like a device so that he can open the car door without keys he pulls it out of his fly (laughs) like yeah it's like why not it's it's like a i I forget there's a word for it but i I, slim jim slim jim yeah right right he just like pulls it right out of his pants and it's dangerously close to things that you would not want a a long flexible possibly sharp piece of metal next to uh he's not the brightest bulb uh we learned uh, throughout the remainder of the film but but is there uh, is anyone yeah, Mark, he got into Columbia yeah. Record Club. He's going to get all those albums for a penny. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get that Christopher Cross album he's been wanting. <laughs> Actually, if he had survived, he would have gotten the entire soundtrack to this movie on Columbia. Because <laughs> it would have been great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. the, 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 you're right, though, that the, the one of the primary issues is that you know, when you think of great performances of, of the devil... Yeah, for me at least, I would think uh, Peter Stamari in in the um, Constantine, uh, oh, Viggo yeah. Mortensen in in the Prophecy. Yeah, they're all you know they're all very charismatic, seductive, and like that. This this kid comes off like a serial killer. He's just sort of skulking around and and he doesn't talk much. And people keep talking about how smart he is, but we don't really see any. We don't really see any of that. Um, you know, the, yeah. the part that's frustrating with the, you know, the montage of the house decaying is we don't get any sort of example of how he apparently has his parents bent to his will. All, all we know is that he is, you know, driven them apart and apparently ruined their sex life, which, you know, considering they're about 85 years old, how active was their sex life in the first place? But, <laughs> But yeah, but so we don't. You know, this is one of those. This is one of those you know movies that a lot of it is is you know, tell and not show, and and that makes it a little frustrating. Everyone tells Andrew, "Oh, you got an A. Oh, you got into all these colleges," and he kind of just stands around going, "Uh huh." He's like, "He's like, oh, that's great, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only time he truly comes alive is, uh, you know, when he when he gets a little kiss in the shower, and when he and when he's doing push-ups. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's get to Andrew's upper body strength later because there's a lot to be said about it. 
His little um, noodle arms. <laughs> just quickly to review, uh, apparently Andrew's dad is a mailman and he delivers mail to the English countryside. Mm-hmm. Is he a tricycle? <laughs> He's an adult I was tricycle. Like, yeah, there was a couple times I was like, where does this take place? I, uh, yeah. I, I spent a couple of times being like, is this actually a dubbed foreign Italian film? And then these scenes involving Margaret, one of our, you know, religious angels. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this also partially set in the UK? So bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like a completely different film. It's, it's, and it's totally overexposed. um, It's, it's, there's, it's amateur hour. It's what no one knows. Everyone knows that the, point the the camera points in a certain direction and that that's where the actors should act but i'm not entirely sure they know anything else about filmmaking the language of film seems foreign to almost everyone involved in this yep (laughs) um and yet it has these wonderful goofball touches uh later on we cut to this abandoned castle island in the middle of a lake uh, in upper state New York. Mm -hmm. And we get the backstory of the castle delivered to us by a jovial riverboat captain. (laughs) Not that we see, we just overhear from his speaker, uh, uh, you know, as the boat passes by the island's castle ruins. Yep. And it's all very important that we know this entire backstory because it comes to... Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this section of the movie, but later on, uh, we will see some of it pay off um, in a truly bizarre sequence. Uh, But my favorite part of this is when Andrew, who's gotten to this island by flying, uh, walking on water, walking underneath the water like Jason. We don't know. Uh, But anyways, he's there to listen to the riverboat captain pass by and tell us that hamburgers and hot dogs are available at the dock when you uh, disembark. Uh, and then he goes over to this fountain and he touches it mm-hmm. and a super seventies light show begins to happen out of it. And this goes nowhere. <laughs> it's just something that happens. Yeah, I wondered if we were meant to believe that some of this is suggesting like his powers are awakening. But, you know, we've been talking about Carrie, how there's there's like a moment where she suddenly starts to discover her powers. She suddenly starts to come into her own like a coming of age film should. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it seems like he gives, you know, he he gives the book back to Julie and is that meant to be the moment? Like he gets a little twinge below the belt and then he can produce light shows out of fountains. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's puberty. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced puberty yet, Joe, but I'm working on it. When <laughs> Maybe in the new when year. A young man, when a young boy becomes a man, mm-hmm. he touches a fountain. Okay. Light comes out of it. Oh. And that's how, you know, it's, it's time to find that special someone. Right. Now, is it also true that if I smoke pot that I'll grow tits? Yes, absolutely. Good. Uh, Everyone I knew in high school who smoked pot grew tits. (laughs) And uh, the good news is most of them were women. (laughs) (laughs) That landed with such an audible thud 
then it's got to stay in. Uh, we're firing on all no cylinders. No joke I've told in, in nearly four years of this podcast has landed so badly. <laughs> I mean, we're having a good laugh now. Um, so, uh, Tony, uh, drives up in his car and he gaslights his domestic abuse victim, uh, back into his car for a ride to school. Um, and he's listening to everyone in town, I guess, is listening to a radio station that is, they're all, (laughs) they're all playing, um, Oh, what's the name of the, oh, Talking Heads. They're all playing Talking Heads. But none of these people listen to Talking Heads. Not a single one. Not a single person. They're not the target demographic. (laughs) But, and yet, this movie contains the rockinest fucking soundtrack. so good. So good. It is. Like, how were they such tremendous amateurs when it came to every other component of this movie? And the guy who's pulling soundtrack for them is like, You'll never believe this band, this this foursome that is playing CBGBs on Tuesdays. I'm going to fit them into the soundtrack. And Patty Smith, which is just like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> Tony's going to listen to Patty Smith. It's <laughs> up his alley, right? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of things up his alley. And so, um, the this is uh, Mark tells Julie. Who re, uh, that he has been accepted to attend Columbia, and that soon they will be Doctor Mark and Mrs. Doctor Mark. Mm-hmm. And she does could he think not that becomes she, his new first name. She could not look more confused in this scene. It is genuinely confusing. She just looks like absolutely baffled at what i mean he's trying to propose to her badly but but yes. she just looks like like you know perturbed and then confused and then kind of a little happy and then a little nauseous and you know just just her brow her brow stays permanently furrowed in this movie that's the She's five asked. stages of marriage proposal <laughs> <laughs> she's asked what is basically a yes or no question. I'm sure there's a couple variants to it, but it's basically yes or no. And her response is, quote, do I have any choice? Yes, Julie, you get a choice as to whether or not you want to marry Mark. Would you like to make it now or later? I never even got the impression that they were a longtime couple because in the classroom scene, like he's just kind of looking at her and smiling and, and like, you know, like, like you would kind of look at someone that you have a crush on mm-hmm. and then like the next scene and they're heavily making out in the back of his car. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then he's but, proposing to her. But she's like entranced by whatever's on the chalkboard. Like she's like, Oh, look, writing with words. I like words. <laughs> Well, maybe it's because her angel persona has been hiding within. So the human part of her is basically just the wattage of a 30 watt light bulb or so. <laughs> it's a dull glow. She's just sapping away all of, her, all of her psychic and spiritual energy. She's basically just an empty bottle with an angel inside. And until the <laughs> angel is awakened, well, the, the bottle has the lid on. We'll put it that way. <laughs> 
So uh, Empty Bottle does not play up much in the next part of this because we're going to cut to locker room. Yes. Day. And <laughs> insert more butts than Euphoria's first episode. <laughs> Which is saying something. There's a fair amount of butts in that uh, uh, show that I watched through my fingers um, because I could not handle it. Well, that's uh, because you have a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a pre 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 teenager. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. All I could think about was no. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so uh, they all come in from some sort of PE activity that has required them to sweat fucking buckets. Mm-hmm. And then they do this thing that I have been asking almost all of the movies that have come into kill by kill up until now kiss which is show me a long line of naked dudes and have a couple of them kiss that's all i ask mm-hmm. and guess what we finally get it in the weirdest fashion possible this is such a weird scene i've never seen bullying is a cornerstone of horror movies that take place in high school mm-hmm. there's yeah. always a bully and this bully, um, <laughs> they basically are all gang up and flirt with him, which is, which is, you know, aggressively flirt with him. And, and he says, oh, give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. And he kisses him and he freaks the fuck out. Well, and this is the thing, right? This is some homo repressed stuff going on here because it's one thing for the other guys to be like, you guys should kiss. You guys should kiss. Or even like. Andrew to like mistakenly make a move or interpret it. But this is a hundred percent Tony going in and initiating it. And it looks like Andrew is the one who's uncomfortable until there's some kind of psychic connection between the two of them. This is also one of the longest boy on boy kisses I have ever seen. Maybe ever like in, but particularly in a horror film and particularly in an 80s horror film, I thought it was going to be like a peck and then one of them was going to freak out. We're talking probably 10 to 15 seconds here. Yeah, it's a much more successful queer seduction than, say, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, for example, to bring that back into the fold, where it's kind of, that has a little, like, light kissing on the cheek, almost as if, uh, Mary Lou in someone else's body can't determine where someone's mouth is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who among us has, has not had a kiss so good that we ended up on the floor you know, in hysterics? Yeah. Shaking. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't, at a certain point, it stops becoming bullying. And it's more like everyone else in the shower is is sort of not harassing Andrew, but just encouraging Tony to finally step out of his own way and just kiss this guy that he's always loved. <laughs> right? Well, just we've finally, just, just show him how you feel. Well, we've established that Tony is not a very successful lover because that time that he spends with Marie in the bowels of the high school is very quick, as she is clear yes. to point out. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> and... I don't know that that's uh, necessarily a sign of homoerotic, uh, ho- uh, homosexual tendencies or just being a teenage boy. Right. But he's bad at it. <laughs> but everyone else is kind of like, hey, Tony, doesn't Andrew's hair look sexy? Which, by the way, it does no, not. It no. Does, no. It does no. not. It's not sexy. 
Uh, not at all. Also, the environment here, well, I believe the shower can be an erotic space. And we've said, I've said many times, I don't believe that the shower is the place to have sex because water dries things where they should be moist. Yeah. And sex thrives on moistness. News flash to virgins in our audience. <laughs> um, but also, there is so much calcium buildup, hard water buildup on those shower heads <laughs> that half of them are going off in entirely different directions than where they're aimed. I just don't know what the audience is supposed to be thinking or feeling in this scene. Is oh, it supposed yeah, to be no. is it supposed to be titillating? Is it supposed to be creepy? We don't actually know what Andrew is doing to him no. that made him so upset, other than you know, oh shit, I actually like this. Which is which is, you know, the only thing I can think of. Yeah, we're left with a lot of questions as a result of this because Tony looks scared, but is it just scared that he liked it or is it scared because something else happened? And then Andrew is like shaking and looks stunned like the energy has been sucked out of him. Yeah, like Tony's a soul vampire yeah, and the kiss has removed him of his the powers that he once had to just look into a shower head and really, really clean his face. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, from um, this point on, this is when we start to see Andrew do terrible things. So if you wanted to uh, go into an unfortunate queer reading, it's basically saying like, well, once you open that door, the only logical step is to start killing dogs. <laughs> but uh, the, at least Lucifer has been killing dogs for a while now. And for all we know, he's been a successful heterosexual and homosexual for decades, centuries, millennia right. at this point. So um, I, it's very odd. Like, I don't know how exactly to take it because he's obviously ruined his parents' life mm-hmm. and... You know, I sure I'm sure he went through puberty at some point during that too, but he was making their life shitty when he was a baby. Oh sure. So and then he ruins Julie's sex life by basically getting her her boyfriend murdered. So he's just like yeah, yeah he's a bit of a cockwalker, this Lucifer. <laughs> yes, but not much of a cock mover, which mm. is a shame. I'd 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 rather him become lascivious where he's so tempting. That it's a James Bond situation that women want to be with him and men want to be with him. Yes. It's just like he's taken on all comers, everyone. And that would be fine in a movie in which people body swap, you know, they, they it's kind of by by nature. Yeah. As it were, there's a non-binary thing happening here. So there's a lot of interpretations to it. I I just don't know what is intentional and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think the movie does either. I think no. they, they have some clear ambition to play with gender and the way it's presenting and the result of, but they they don't have a clear path, and as a result, neither do we. Yes, I can tell you one link that is very for sure, that after the shower sequence, um, the the lady who's the sister of the priest who has gin nose... <laughs> goes into a church and as she passes by there there are two oh, those two olds. little boys fucking outside yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, what was that <laughs> um, oh boys will be boys <laughs> 
you know, sometimes, you know, you're 12, you know, you, it's your, your bikes have been taken away from you. Why not go to the public park and just have fucking sex yeah. in the middle of a square? Yeah. It's a real odd one. Anyways, she has a long conversation with the priest and they're like, who could fucking care? Yeah. Like I said, the movie comes to a dead standstill whenever like the, 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 the older characters are on screen. Yeah. Although I do I like the scene when he basically shifts from having a, a civil conversation with Margaret to then just being like, oh yeah, you ruined him and you're a terrible person and I hate your ideology. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, oh, you're a wonderful person. Also, I hated you. I've always hated you. And you should die. You should die and go to hell. Anyways, I'm going to go back to my priest stuff. I got to go pl- go back to planning the passion. <laughs> because that is my passion. Um, and so after this, we get another localized fog bank. And it turns out that we're looking at Julie's house. Um, which seems to be mostly abandoned. And uh, inside of this house, the camera slowly creeps and it is revealed that we are through the point of view of Andrew, who sneaks up on Julie um, by spooning. It's a spoon attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A sexual assault um, by any other name. Yes. Well, he is Lucifer. I mean... What are we expecting from him? Lucifer is an awkward, fumbling teenager. Oh, gosh. The scene is so weird. It is so fucking odd because on top of it being like, it's a, I I assume the goal here was that he is seducing this girl because he feels a way about her and he doesn't know that she's the reincarnation of one of these angels Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But also, Which that it, seems like that seems like something the devil should know. Yeah, they yeah. literally can't sense each other at all at this stage. Like they have no concept of what's happening, and yet he is yeah. somehow attracted enough to her that he seeks her out and gropes her in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes, but he's very nervous about it. Oh my gosh! When he's so much fumbling. Over- <laughs> to get to get on top of her, one, his arm is shaking throughout it all, mm-hmm. which is either I interpret that not as a weak body, upper body strength. Uh, yeah, and, then, here's, and here's the thing: is this the is this the character or is this the actor? Yeah, That's I went back and forth. Thing. You have to compare because, and contrast with the scenes when he's doing the push-ups. <laughs> because when you when the camera observes his back. It is full of red hives. These, is that what that is that not, what that was? I was like, is that supposed to be scarring or like what is that all over his back? Is it real? Those are hives. Oh my god! So he was like really super nervous. And they just went ahead and filmed it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of sad. <laughs> but do you want sad teenage fumbling sex in your Lucifer movie? Yeah. Because this movie seems to posit that you do. Well, that, and I think that this is just so misguided. Like this scene is clearly supposed to be like, she's having a bit of a sexy dream and then she wakes up and, Oh, it, maybe it was real all along, but there's mm-hmm. nothing sexy about any of it. No. Cause she no. just, she's just blank faced. He's about ready to like, you know, just shake it to 12 pieces. Mm-hmm. 
And then he like at the end, he just kind of does this like, you know, wandering away. He's naked. And then he like stands outside her, her window with a cape like he's Dracula. Yeah. And and yeah. why Dracula? Like, why would you bring in that motif of all visual iconography? <laughs> like, no, you don't want us to be thinking he's Dracula. He's meant to be Lucifer. <laughs> But he's, I mean, Dracula brings about a certain requirement, right? Um, the the Dr- 1979 version of Dracula just got released on Blu-ray. And I can tell you that that is one sexy fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Like, every time yeah. Dracula is on scene, you're like, that dude fucks. And he fucks well. <laughs> <laughs> and he's telling every single person he's in a scene with, you know what? You know what's uh, magical about me? My penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he read Frank Langella redefines the word smoldering in that, in that movie. Oh, I'm glad you oh, said man. smolder because I thought we were going to have to hear Patrick say moist again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it, I I think I covered it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, this is. And she wakes up out of it because he scratches her back. Oh yeah, I love that. She she's like, you know, the little 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 you know, you tip the hat to Rosemary's baby or you know, rip off however you want to uh, you know, put it. She's she's looking at her back. She looks like a fucking tiger went at her, mm-hmm. and she's just like, oh, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you've got these gaping claw marks on her back. Those marks look inches deep. Yeah. There are grooves into her back. Again, and again, she looks mildly perturbed. Oopsie doodle. I have a scratchy scratch. Yeah. Well, and she she doesn't even react to the fact that her reflection in the mirror is that of an old lady. Yes. But is it, has she always been a lady? Because... They're body swapping, so she hasn't always been a lady angel. Sometimes she's been a dude angel. Yeah, this movie can't decide what it wants to do with that. It doesn't. And did any of you recognize which Bay City roller she has up on her wall? (laughs) (laughs) I did did not. I was trying to look to see who that was. Yeah, it's just all bad vests and pirate shirts as far as the eye can see. But I can't identify what human being has such a large poster of himself on her wall. And I'm dying to know, but I could not figure it out. You know how I love background nonsense. Well, and there's not much else to look at because this entire house looks like it could be staged to sell the next day. (laughs) It is priced to move yeah, uh, because everything in this area is dire as fuck. (laughs) So let's, Let's get to the second money shot of this particular sequence of the movie. And that is interior gym day. Um, Everyone has been asked to line up. Um, Everyone is wearing the tiniest of boy shorts. And um, there's a bit of business where the shortest guy in class can't figure out where to line up. And he's pushed to the very end. It's so adorable. It's very Charlie Brown. (laughs) And then Andrew's name is called and he saunters in because he's had a fucking night. Between yesterday's homoerotic kiss in the shower and his dream seduction of Julie, he's not on time for anything. He is is 54 seconds late. Yeah. Count them. (laughs) So he is asked to go off to the side 
um, and do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. And he starts with the push-ups because it's probably going to take him a half an hour to complete this task. His little noodle arms, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd be there for the entirety of the gym class. <laughs> he's like this. he's like into like push-up three and already like trembling. Well, his form is actually very bad. He should be keeping his elbows closer to his body. He's doing very wide push-ups, which are hard if you have a bad mm-hmm. chest. Yes. Can we, can we talk about this gym teacher? Oh, my. I thought this guy was going to salivate at the mouth. He was rabid. He, he was going to blow an aneurysm. He is, like, intensely getting into this dodgeball game. <laughs> he has, like, two modes. One is get him. <laughs> and the other is throw the ball. No, 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 no. <laughs> like if you have problems with this guy's throwing form, perhaps you should instruct him. Teacher. Yeah. Teacher of children. This is a PSA for why dodgeball should be outlawed in general, but specifically in high school gym. It's like they're playing dodgeball, but they're also wrestling. <laughs> what game is this? They're going yeah, to war. As- <laughs> As Andrew com- goes through his push-ups, apparently the closer his chest, his sunken chest, gets to the floor, the more everyone else's testosterone builds to the point in which they're Greco-Roman wrestling in the middle of this game. Like, the, all the rules go out the window, and I'm not entirely sure. Who, like, how do you determine you're out? Is anyone out? Like, what is the goal of this fucking game? Well, do you think that this is meant to be a reflection of his powers, like a manifestation where he's elevating the testosterone and everybody's going crazy? I have to believe that because I have to believe that for what happens next. Because <laughs> there's no there's no earthly explanation for what's about to, ha- about to happen. It, the only explanation is supernatural. For when the coach picks up a rubber dodgeball and throws it at poor Mark, who was mere months away from his trip to Columbia, Hmm. not the university, the record club warehouse where he's going to work for the summer. (laughs) And he is rocketed back into the collapsed uh, bleachers of, of the gymnasium and that rubber ball collapses his entire chesticle area and he spurts blood and he is literally pinned to the wall by a rubber ball. Well, here's the thing. Is it that the coach like threw it with some sort of otherworldly power or is it that Andrew did some sort of like telekinesis shit? Yeah, because it's almost like he's trying to get rid of Mark so that he can go after Julie. Not that we ever see yeah. him do it again. <laughs> Because he he had her once, and that was enough. Apparently, I did not enjoy that. <laughs> My arm is still hurt. Very hobbled. <laughs> yeah. First of all, he's got a bunch of DNA evidence, which is not going to go over well. No. Secondly, he didn't seem to enjoy touching the lady. No, and or at least not that lady. Uh, possibly any lady. It, that's not the real problem. It's just that it's not going to work out between the two of them. Yeah. So. I don't see Mark as a real obstacle other than the fact that Andrew just wants to hurt somebody mm-hmm. and he's driven the crew crazy to the point where the coach picks up this rubber ball and uses it as a, spe- a spear 
which I do not believe is possible. I, I do love the coach's reaction, though. <laughs> he just, like, falls to his knees. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> what have I done? The principal always told me this was a possibility, and I never listened to her when she said, don't throw that ball hard. You might impale somebody against a wall. Can I? This is definitely going to come up in my employee review. Can I amuse the two of you for a moment with a little bit of Wikipedia entry around this scene? You can. So um, Wikipedia is currently soliciting for people to give them money because tis the season. But I wonder if maybe we should do something around that because some of these entries are absolutely terrible. So it says, during a gym class, one of Andrew's classmates, Mark inexplicably suffers ruptured organs during a dodgeball game and dies. <laughs> I, it's just like his, like his, like his kidneys exploded or something like on their own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was reading along with this just to make sure that I, uh, cause I wasn't sure if I was going to finish my part of the episode in time for this recording. And I got to this part. So I thought that we were just going to see this body explode on screen. And then <laughs> you watch it and you're like, no, he got hit by the ball and he died. <laughs> like, Somehow it's even dumber. <laughs> <laughs> it's even stupider than you have written in this very stupid entry. Well, and then when I saw it, I wish that it had been like that. Uh, I can't remember what film it is, but the one where the person throws the basketball and it takes off the woman's head. Deadly friend. There we Deadly go. Deadly friend, yeah. I almost wish it had been that and like the ball had it just gone through Mark's stomach or something. Just like a perfectly, just a perfectly round hole, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, a little yeah. death becomes her. <laughs> <laughs> but nope, he's pinned to the wall by a rubber ball. Yeah. And he, uh, as Gina is very uh, happy to always say, he, he spurts a bunch of fruit gushers out of his mouth. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. R.I.P.D. Mark. And again, like, like we, the movie kind of plays around a little bit with like, how much does Andrew know about what he is? Because now he's like, oh God, no. He says, he's just like, you know, weeping, you know, in the back of the gym. And, and it's just like, well, does, does he know? Does he not know? Yeah. To be honest, it all reminded me so much of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, not just because I was coming back to do another episode with YouTube, but yeah, this often seems like he doesn't understand not just the magnitude of his own powers, but also it seems like he goes into a weird fugue state. And when he comes out of it, he's like, oh, crap, somebody's dead. Am I responsible? Hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's very con- he's in a very confused state when you're young and all of a sudden hair starts popping out of places that it wasn't before. And you get demonized when you're doing push-ups. It's a very confusing time. I mean, who among (laughs) us hasn't? Right. Well, not me, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It'll happen to you soon. Don't worry. 2020, it's going to be my year. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping our fingers crossed. Double-crossed, as it were. Uh, So this is about the time where we got to choose our own death venture. Um, That is, of course, if you were to die in one of the ways presented in this movie, uh, what way would you choose and why? Up for bid in this particular episode. We have impaled on a thin crucifix, Mm -hmm. uh, left to molder like a Lady Haversham uh, with cobwebs all over you uh, when the iron doesn't impale your head. And, of course, destroyed by a dodgeball. And uh, Mr. Lipset, as our guest, I turn to you for your answer first. 
I mean, I've got to lean into my brand, so I'm going to go death by ball. <laughs> and you're okay with just the one? Well, I'll I'll take the one if I can't get more. But yeah, I mean, if I get to go out wearing short shorts, you know, it. there are worse ways to go. There are. There are much worse ways to go. And, you know, you got the legs for it, so you might as well work it while you got exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Gina, what say you? Well, you know, when I was a kid and, and I had to play dodgeball, I was always pretty convinced that I was going to die. So, so it seems to be, you know, you know, poetic that I would, I would go out the same, I would go out the same way as well. Just, you know, you know, everything just turning to mush when I get hit with a dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, if you watch this sequence and you're like, that ain't, the, that is one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You have, you have to choose death by dodgeball. Yeah. There's only one path here and that is death by dodgeball. I'm sorry. When I first saw this sequence, I laughed for five minutes. Oh, it's so good. When I when I watched it for this, I laughed for four and a half. <laughs> it is <laughs> fucking brilliant. Uh, it's not intentionally brilliant, but it's fucking there, there, brilliant. There's just so much happening. Like I said, you got this this uh this very, very committed actor playing the gym teacher who's just getting like, you know, his, his hysteria levels are, are just growing. And then you've got, you know, Andrew, who's pouring buckets of sweat, doing maybe 10 push-ups. <laughs> you, you got this, uh, uh, this, this sort of deathmatch dodgeball game. Just all, all the elements just work perfectly for this absolutely bizarre scene. It's sweaty. It's grunty. It's confusing. It's everything we look for in a movie here on Kill by Kill. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that just about does it. But before we go, of course, we always like to do a bit of plugs. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell everyone in our audience who may or may not know everything that's happening, what you do and where they can find it. All right. So I like to write for a bunch of different places. So I generally just recommend that people check me out on Twitter. I'm at B still on my remote and that's the letter B. Or you can listen to me gab relatively incoherently on a weekly basis on Horror Queers and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm a huge fan of you and Trace on that show, uh, on, on any of the shows that you've appeared, but uh, I love your chemistry together. And I think that is a, a fantastic uh, show. You guys are just endlessly entertaining. Uh, thank you. You're more than welcome. All right, Gina, uh, where can people find you on these here internets? Well, I have my own website, which I write about movies and old television and pop culture at GinaRadcliffe.com. I am also a writer for The Spool, which is thespool.net. And you can find me on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. Of course, you can always reach out to us at Kill by Kill Pod on Twitter. We have the Facebook page and group. And we're on uh, Instagram intermittently at, uh, uh, what are we? Oh, yeah, we're a Kill by Kill podcast there. Uh, in terms of reviews, we've received a new one to iTunes, where we stubbornly remain in the top 25 of film histories, an arbitrary decision that I made, I guess, when we started this podcast, which is paying off in huge dividends. Um, here is a review from Green 
underscore sea turtle who says this podcast is amazing. And to be fair, this is the first podcast I've listened to. So I'm sorry. To compare to. <laughs> uh, they started with the best. It's all downhill from right. here. It's all downhill from here or all uphill. Um, but it's still amazing. And the wonderful host Patrick and Gene are so funny. Uh, they make me look forward to long road trips where I can listen to the podcast for hours. Friday nightmare two of my favorite film series and as well as my introduction to horror, my favorite kill from Friday the 13th is in part four when Tina is pulled out of a window and thrown onto a car, which practical stunts. I was going to say, that's that's one of your favorites. That's such a good one. I love it. Love it to death. And my favorite nightmare in Elm Street kill was Syringe Fingers Freddy. Yes. <laughs> Sideways Syringe Fingers. That's a good one. It is. Uh, it, everyone loves to see a fight in an abandoned alleyway. Uh, thank you for making the wonderful content and please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much. Uh, if you would like to review us on uh, iTunes or anywhere you get podcasts, please do so. It helps us be seen and heard just as much as your download is. So it's very important that we keep up reviews there. So if you have not done so already, or if you have done, Uh, a review for us, but you listen to another podcast, review them as well. It's very helpful. And so that just about does it for us. Of course, we'll be back in a couple weeks with round two of Fear No Evil for the holiday season. And of course, we'll be doing fun things on Patreon as well. So please check us out there at patreon.com slash killbykill. So until then, for myself, for Gina, and for Joe, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.